Hi, this is David Sweet, CEO and founder of Focus Core Japan. And if you were like many of the APAC leaders that I speak to, you're struggling in Japan to find the right talent. You get bombarded with irrelevant resumes or a lack of resumes altogether. I would like to invite you to discover the power of Focus Core's retained search. Let Focus Core help you swiftly secure top tier talent in this candidate short market. I'd like to invite you to shoot me an email and explore how we're different. And with a 100% refundable trial, we can revolutionize your hiring process today. Now, on to our podcast. Hello. One billion people listen to it. Oh, this is going to completely go absolutely a wire and viral, right? So good morning. Welcome to the Focus Core podcast.、Um, I feel like deja vu. I just did this and then my internet crashed. So、um, I'm here on a beautiful spring morning、uh, with the cherry blossoms starting to bloom. I'm here with、uh, Elko Moderman, managing partner Asia Pacific from the Gap Partnership. Welcome. Good morning, Elko. Morning. So as,、uh, about 10 years ago, I read the negotiation book, which、uh, you had,、uh, you've got there on your bookshelf, a wonderful yeah. negotiation yeah. book. And I was lucky enough to attend、uh, the Gap Partnership training session in Singapore,、uh, a week long training, and it was single handedly the best training experience for me ever. It was、um, life changing for me as a sales professional. And so I was so happy when I found out you guys were opening up an office in Japan and started offering、uh, training both in English and Japanese. So, I'm very excited to welcome you、uh, to the podcast this morning. Very excited to be here, David. Thanks for having me. So, to get us started, why don't you?、Uh, I, I have the nice introduction written down that you've provided for the bio. Why don't you, you read it for us? Oh, I'm definitely not going to read it. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to come、it. up with a completely different story.、Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, thanks, David.、Uh, really good to meet you again and, and, and always excited to see people. So, You know, positively、um, uh, looking back at the work we've done or with you.、Um, well, we'll get to talk about that, no doubt.、Um, so, yeah, my name is Elke Modderman. That's a Dutch name, sort of, but I'm Dutch uh, originally. Um, grew up in in Amsterdam area,、um, moved to Asia in 2008, 2009, around you know, one of the previous crises,、mm-hmm. the global financial crisis.、Um, and、I、lived in Hong Kong for a long time together with my wife.、Uh, we had、uh, our two kids there and moved to Tokyo about a year ago.、Um, because, like you said,、um, we believe and we know from a lot of our、uh, global clients that there's a, there's a need and, a, and, an, and an opportunity for us to help also drive more efficient, more effective, more successful negotiations in Japan. Uh, culture, language are some big subjects in there. So, yeah, a local lens on that from a language culture perspective is really important. But building that business up、um, is, is what we're currently doing for our clients. And that's why I moved here.、Um, Great. That's so, in a nutshell what I'm about. Yeah. So, why, why did you, you leave Holland to come to Asia?、Um, 
adventure, David. Nice. Uh, I I uh, I lived in China for a while in '99, 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of slightly give away my age, I guess, but that's when I was doing the thesis for my for my master thesis for my um, for my university. Um, did research into something quite complicated about labor flexibility for rural companies in China. Um, I lived in a city called Nan, close to Nanjing, uh-huh. um, not too far from Shanghai, and and that definitely inspired me to to be wanting to move back to China or to Asia for a while, and and Hong Kong is where we ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, life adventures took over. Great. And how how do you get to be uh... Kind of the head of a, a negotiation company. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really. It sounds almost top secret. It's like hi. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, no, I'm a negotiator. I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. If I tell <laughs> you that, then you know. Now, look, um, I um, as you could have seen, sort of, you can see on my LinkedIn or or um, in the profile I share with me. So I I worked with a company called Nielsen um, mm-hmm. for quite a while here in Asia. Um, AC Nielsen is how many people know it. I guess these days they're called Nielsen IQ. Um, looked after some large regional global relationship with uh, with some big FMCG companies. And actually, like yourself, I was a client of ours. Okay. So I went through our workshop uh, in 2015, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and was equally inspired. Um, stayed in touch to do some work on the other side of the fence and then sort of ended up on the other side of the fence and working with us in Asia. And as the business has evolved and as the business has grown, uh, I'm, I guess, luckily enough uh, for, for the leadership in our company to ask me to look after the entire region. Now. Nice. What, when you joined, uh, what's something about the business that you didn't expect? Um, you know what? That's probably similar to what you just said, right? Somewhat jokingly, perhaps not jokingly. I, the um, negotiation has this sort of mystique, mysterious air around it as a subject, right? Yeah. So arguably for a lot of people, it has this kind of tough, I'll leave in the middle whether that's right or wrong. And I guess there is no right or wrong, especially not in negotiation, but whether that's the right perception. Um, so in the sense of what I was surprised about very positively is how well we are as a company internally really functioning as as one big global team mm-hmm. um, purely focused on 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 helping our clients succeed wherever they need us around the world and i'm that sounds really corny but yeah we're we're a pretty open um sharing knowledge sort of building business um and and that's been really really positive and and something that probably kept me uh, even more energized than than just about the subject that's great when so when we sat down to lunch one of the things that surprised me about the gap partnership that i didn't know i knew you guys ran uh, great training programs but i didn't know realize that you go in and actually negotiate or assist and coach clients through serious negotiations and and yeah what's sorry it leads me to let's talk about some of the cool negotiations you've done anything (laughs) you can share yeah Yeah, no look that is definitely uh, where it becomes obviously a little bit more complicated to share um, names and details but but you're right so i mean where we 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 
we got founded a bit over 25, 26 years ago now. We had a great party last year to celebrate our 25th birthday. But um, yeah, we originated as a training company, you yeah. could say, or, or development of, of behavioral change, if we like to think of it, um, around the subject of negotiation. And more and more, we discovered that, yeah, okay, we helped you, someone like you. Yeah. And now you are a better negotiator, but now you're starting to, like, you now also start to understand things that you didn't know yet. You know, mm -hmm. you now know what you don't know. And can we help you on that next path too? And we believe we can. So what we do more and more, actually, especially in Japan, we arguably do more of that at the moment than we do training, which is around, um, look, in a, in, a, in a retail, FMCG retail landscape, we, we as consumers all know that there have been, you know, there's been inflation, there's been some price increases coming through. There's a whole world that operates behind that, right? How do how do FMCG suppliers and retailers work together on on finding you know a new level of pricing in a market? How does that get negotiated? How do joint business partner plans or joint business plans behind that? And what what is the value that get added into those plans? And how do you negotiate that? If you take the lens of a retailer, um, they have hundreds, if not thousands, of suppliers. Mm -hmm. How do you oversee all that, right? How do you have, as a CEO, how do you sit there and say, okay, I need, I need this to succeed. How do you keep control over multiple thousands of negotiations? That segmentation, that planning, that thinking, but also that execution, especially, I think that differentiates us quite a bit from our sort of peers, is we help you through that execution process mm. um, to plan and then deliver on it. Now, we don't... Yeah, we, we, yeah we, we don't necessarily sit down at the table on your behalf because I don't think that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not sustainable as well. But but that is where we help a lot of our clients. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's uh, pretty valuable. The concepts that we yeah. talked about in the workshop you've been on, obviously, they all come through there. But then how do you execute them on um, is where we where we support. Yeah, I, at lunch, we talked about you know, different negotiation uh, situations we've been in, and, and hmm. especially in in Japan, which we'll we'll talk a little bit more about specifically. But I remember going back when I first got started working with the government and doing negotiations we, with uh, labor unions, and the the Bible was getting to yes, right? That was that was the model they hmm. follow, and uh, you know what's but it was so different what the, the Gap Partnership was talking about. Yeah. How do you see the one, I guess, over time, how the landscape has changed around negotiation mm. uh, from when like getting to yes has come out? And then two, how how does the Gap Partnerships, you know, kind of see negotiation differently than just that kind of dichotomy of win, loss, win, win mm. Uh, mm. model? Mm. That's nice. I don't know how well the video will show, but you'll see this clock behind me. That's, the clock, yeah. that's some of our IP, which is pretty much our thinking around that. So that's some of the answer to your second question. Big question there, David. Yeah. <laughs> we we could stay well, here until get, the sucker them completely and still don't finish that question. Um, look, Getting to Yes, I think there was a newer book, right, that became Getting to Know. So I guess that is kind of, kind of, already describing that journey. For me, a big one that sticks out there, not a surprise to you, but maybe to some of the people who are going to 
hopefully listen and enjoy this video. Um, sales selling, yeah, something incredibly different, we believe, than negotiation. Yep. And I think that, in essence, is already an answer to your question. Uh, whether that's a conflict or a journey versus that book that you mentioned, I, I don't know. That's not necessarily the point. But the fact that selling in itself is an incredibly difficult and important skill to focus on, that is not what we do. Mm -hmm. We don't help people to become better salespeople. We help people to become better at, okay, once you have the yes, now what is that going to look like? How, what are the details of that deal? How do you make sure you get the best out of that, but you also still achieve a partnership at a level, referring to that clock, that you needed to be at, which could mm -hmm. be very different in very different situations. So for us, where we've, I think, added a lot of value to the market over ever since we existed, and that has evolved and has, I guess, gained more ground, is this whole thinking of that, that right? Selling and negotiation are different concepts, but also what situation are you actually in and what relationship do you need in that partnership that you're negotiating over? And, and how does that then define your behavior in the negotiation you're going into? So the psychology of yourself, right? Your, your own head, uh, but also the psychology more so once you've got that all figured out of that other person, the lady on the other side of the table, what is going on in her head? What are her objectives? What are her needs? And how do you achieve those for her, but also for it to benefit you, depending on your situation? I guess that would be my two answers, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. That's great. Yeah I, I, yeah, I took that away from the training. I thought it was brilliant. But sales and negotiation are two different things. Um, and but then, It makes sense, right? Once you yeah. understand what we mean. Yeah. Then the other uh, concept is just that uh, spectrum of relationship. Mm. And, and where are you on that spectrum of relationship is where you'll be in the negotiation. Because if I would imagine that if you're a retailer in Japan and you have that long-term um, um, relationship going on and your negotiation prices and you need to, everybody wants this to work. And the sales is over, right? It's now it's a pure negotiation. Exactly. You want to keep the relationship, and how do you keep it so it's a win for everybody at that one? Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, some, do you, is it the relationship you want to keep, or is it the business you want to keep? I, I think it's more the second, and then the relationship can look different depending on what that business is. Yeah. You and, need it from the other party to be. And I think you know I've been in like in recruitment, very transactional relationships with companies. And it's a very different negotiation versus many, most of my relationships now are very long-term and it's a different negotiation because we're all looking for a different business. But one isn't necessarily better than the other, right? No, it's different. They're different. And they're, they're it's a... Yeah, they're just a different relationship. And I'm exactly. fine with that. It's a different business relationship. Yeah. And, and and every business needs a bundle, regardless of what I think industry you're in. You need you have a bundle of more transactional relationships and you have a bundle of more strategic partnerships. And 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 kind of every business almost needs that, right? Mm -hmm. So how you how you negotiate those is where you need to keep thinking that they need to probably be different. And therefore, your role as a negotiator and your 
ingoing approach and your plan and 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 your objectives and your behavior needs to probably be different too. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty hard for a lot of people to get their head around and how you then do that. I, I, I've written down a, a question for us. It's a setup for you, I think. Isn't negotiation just a game? Yeah. Okay. That's one of my favorite takeaways of the the, the training was. Okay. Yeah. Games yeah. have games have rules. Negotiation doesn't. Exactly. The, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, look. No. Yes and no. I guess depending on how you define a game, but. It's a, it's at the very least, or a dance, I kind of like to call it. Mm. And it's a necessary one, though. If you don't do it, if you just say, okay, you know what? We both know we want this deal, so why don't we just do it? I mean, in the end, we are, whether you like it or not, um, we live in a capitalist society, right, mm. in, in business. And, um, and therefore, it is about money. So even though we both know that we want to do a deal, you still want to optimize your side of the deal and I want to optimize mine. And that's kind of what we're dancing about. Mm. And we want to do that dance so that we, at the end of the line, can both be, yes, satisfied with the outcome. Um, And you can't do that if you don't dance or if you don't game. Um, Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a game, but I take that as a positive. I love it. I love that uh, images of uh, negotiation as a dance. What, how do you um how do i dance i would say it's very poorly <laughs> is it wife. a samba or is it a waltz though mm. i'd like to think of myself as a samba guy but <laughs> i don't know yeah so we did uh well i had uh simon on uh, our managing director and he was doing morse dancing i've done german dancing we got all kinds of dances going on mm. what the for how do you see japan as in negotiation, as far as similarities, differences, because we always mm. we're always proud proud in Japan of being so different than the rest of the world. How do you see us as uh, similar and different? Yeah, and I, I think Japan and Japanese people or people should be proud, right? There's something incredibly powerful that has been built here um, over the last couple of decades. What um, I mean, culture in general is a massive container thing right um so how do you deal with that i think japan is a great example china could be another great example from like the guangxi perspective of how do you build up a relationship before you can actually start to talk business works very differently for instance in china than it would do in the netherlands i mean we would go over shake hands and you you, just kind of start right Mm -hmm. Uh, there is again that it's not a good or bad it's a different culture in japanese i mean a favorite book of mine i I put it next to me on purpose is is this one i don't know if you read it no the culture Culture map by lady called erin meyer okay we'll put it in the, the notes um which which goes into a lot of different sort of larger let's call it cultures in the world and consciousness is a borderline you know sensitive subject if we phrase it wrongly but um yeah of course how do you get to a decision for instance in a country like japan works quite differently right japan works quite she maps it out really well and it's it's the one country sitting on a certain side of the spectrum where you have very very strong hierarchy yeah but at the same time 
and I, I'd like to think you would recognize this, decisions do get made bottom up. Everyone, there's consensus first, and that gets all driven up, but there's such strong hierarchy that the person on the top does need to sign off on it, right? So it's, it's, a, it's almost two ways on that column, and Japan is quite, very unique on that. Hmm. I link that to negotiations. So of course, therefore, your plan and approach to a negotiation in Japan mm-hmm. slash in Japanese will have to be different than in Germany or in Mexico. But you still need to plan very well to the context of that situation, whether the, whether the situation is the product you're negotiating over or the culture you're doing it in actually doesn't really matter. There is context. Mm-hmm. You need to take that into. You need to plan really well. You need to take into account this thing that we talked about: that every negotiation is different depending on what you intend to get out of it or what you think to get out of it, and therefore your behavior needs to change. That is true in every culture too, right? Mm-hmm. Some negotiations you can or need to be tougher. In other negotiations, you can or need to be warmer, depending on what you plan to get out of it. That's still true. So I guess my answer would be yes, of course, the context is incredibly different in Japan as it is in many other sort of larger and stronger cultures and and cultures with way more history. Um, The concept of negotiation, we firmly believe is the same. And we know from experience what we teach to our clients and the people who go through that framework that works. Mm-hmm. behavior focus on yourself and then focus on the other uh make sure you plan appropriately how do you trade appropriately what is it that you need to get out of it what is it that you therefore need to think about in terms of how you can trade on those variables that you think uh, should be part of the deal all of that is the same that's great context mm-hmm. is different it's almost a sort of it's the, the skeleton of the house is the same but how you clad it is very different now drive around Tokyo, yeah, that looks very different than the town I grew up in in the Netherlands. Yeah. If uh, if, we want, if our listeners wanted to improve as a negotiator today, what one thing would you advise them to do? Um, I, well, you know what? <laughs> Work with us. <laughs> nice. Um, I would I would recommend that one. Yeah, look, it, it's two things, and I'm I'm a proud procrastinator. Okay, I'm very proud of my procrastination skills, and I'm very proud. As a lot of us, I guess, who've been around a little bit longer than than a couple of years, I'm also quite proud that I can wing my way through stuff. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it in a negotiation at the very least. Plan, take your time, build enough time in. Think about this other party, which is why you see that 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 guy behind me in this in the in the window there as well. Like it's not about what's up here, it's about what's in the head of the other party. What do mm-hmm. they need to get out of it? And how can you get that? I, that requires planning. And without planning, there is no successful negotiation. And you can be proud as as much as you want, like me. On your winging skills and your procrastination sort of ideas and that it's mm-hmm. all about being creative but obviously i also know in the end that, that that in these kind of situations doesn't do the trick so if there's literally one thing it's 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 make sure you take time to sufficiently and effectively plan yeah 
I would, uh, I was thinking through when I was asking that question, what, uh, guessing what you'd say. And I, yeah, planning was my big takeaway from, yeah, because I just think you need to help the other person get what they want. Right. And yeah. Because only then can you get what you want. Right. Yeah. True. So yeah. it is like you say the dance and you, you have to plan on how to do that because you can't give up everything. There's, this is not an altruistic. We are talking about business in in this sense, right? Which doesn't mean you give it away. That, like I hope it's clear that that's not at all what I'm advocating. Right. And it also doesn't mean that every negotiation needs to be warm or every negotiation needs to be tough. No, that is also what you plan. You don't only plan your, actually even more so. You don't only plan your your actual trades. But what I'm almost more about is how do you you plan your behavior? You plan mm-hmm. your 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 largest strategy and then your tactical execution and behavioral strategy and that requires work which kind of links back to your earlier question about that we do much more than training because it it isn't easy right mm-hmm. and and we can i think quite help quite well help with that but yeah you just need to make time for it yeah i was uh, big takeaways i i had with from understanding was they not only planning your behavior um, I got you guys got so meticulous that it was if I had a twitch there there's a, a twitch that I had that I needed to work on because I didn't know I that was a giveaway yeah where you plan different parts that individuals play within your team if you're going in and because oftentimes yep. it's two three people on a, a single organization that are going in and and working and it's it's got to be a bit more sophisticated than good cop bad cop yeah, or then 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 hierarchy like the boss right. and the, and the, like yeah we we uh, we identify a couple of different roles mm. and it actually doesn't really matter who plays them you need to think that one through obviously but the fact that you need someone that focuses on the numbers and someone mm. that focuses on the how you drive the negotiation in terms of you know your words your language your behavior those two are quite different for for your head so you ideally always split those two up. That's good. Yeah. So in the, thinking about roles, I'm going to segue into your role. Mm. Uh, you did a stint as a chief adventure officer. You, you have that on uh, your profile. How cool is that? What is a yeah? What is a chief adventure officer? Dun dun dun. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> look, m- maybe it wasn't just the year that I did. Maybe that's kind of what I am in life. But but um. <laughs> Yeah, so a so, simple answer. So um, uh, middle of 2019, um, so pretty much half a year or so in hindsight, right? We didn't know that before COVID. Um, me and me and Emily, my wife, we we decided it was a really good time to take our kids out of school for a while and go on a go on a trip. So again, very lucky, uh, and it says something I think about the culture that we have as a business that the company was willing to support me taking a year away from the company. Um, so I, I took a secondment, or another secondment, um, a sabbatical, and uh, we traveled uh, around the world with a four and a seven-year-old carrying their own backpacks. Um, we we did a long sort of overland trip through the whole of Central America for four, five, six months. Wow. Pretty much go from from the border of U.S. Mexico all the way to Colombia uh, overland. Are a few ones that you literally cannot do overland. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and and those are a lot of adventures. Now, was I the chief adventure officer or 
or with my kids that you could you could <laughs> argue uh but hey isn't that a nice metaphor for leadership anyway right like that's how i believe you do it anyway like how do you build a team how do you give people trust how do you make decisions together yeah i think that's kind of a skill that i try to take in life but also uh, in when i work with my teams or with clients um where's ownership and and how you drive that so that's something we did with the kids so we were able to take them out of school for a year now then obviously we rolled into covid we all know what that created for all of us we were in a bit of a different position i guess because we were i wasn't we weren't working um and and everyone else was suffering from having their kids do online and homeschooling but that's kind of the year we had anyway so for us you know, in hindsight, that was somewhat lucky because we kind of breezed through that um, in a different way than many other people have. So, yeah, we had a lot of really good adventures. Yeah. Nothing better for kids to learn of being exhausted and tired and then being able to to figure out how to make decisions during all of that. Yeah, exactly. If you do a 48-hour bus ride on a chicken bus to cross the Honduras and El Salvador border and you arrive at 4 a.m. at a hotel that is actually the local discotheque, then, you know, a a four- and a seven-year-old are pretty impressed, right? Um, And how do you then indeed deal with that? How do you still maintain yourself um, and and the things you need and and want? Yeah, it was was awesome. So let's... uh, Let's unpack some of this because it's it's wonderful adventure. With for your four-year-old, uh, what was the big takeaway for? Yeah, so a lot of people ask me, but why did you do that? Because he won't remember it anyway. And I'm like, I get it, right? But but first of all, I did it because I wanted to do it, and she just had to come along. So that's yeah. not actually the point. But also, <laughs> I don't agree. Um, so to your question, what is her main takeaway? Her main takeaway is that as a family, we're, 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 we're super strong together. Um, she can be herself. We help her grow as an individual. But she knows there is, I mean, it sounds, again, a little bit corny, but like there is this safe space of a unit as a family. Hmm. I think if you can have that, again, at a border crossing between El Salvador and Honduras, I don't know if you've been there. It's not a great border crossing. Um, then you can probably have it too in a pretty nice home in in Shibuya in Tokyo, right? When you go to an international school, everything becomes a bit relative. So um, I think, yeah, I definitely know that that has shaped her in confidence, in in trust, in humility, being open to diversity, which I think is incredibly important. Um, So, yeah, things like that. If nothing else, there's always... Even if they forget everything, there's always the stories. Oh my God! And the yeah, stories will always be remembered, and 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 there will be pictures, and those things carry on, and you kind of patch together the memory anyway. And it's part of her. I think it will become part of their identity because their mm-hmm. friends kind of know, right? Um, yeah. It's this thing that sort of is attached to her, which she's very proud of. Um, as is my son, who's the older one. Um, yeah, I think it shapes them uh, throughout, like you said. Yeah. So what's this? That not leads me to the seven-year-old's takeaway. What was his takeaway on? on? Yeah, probably more. Like he remembers more. That's pretty obvious. Um, we we were able to make him lead certain things. So mm-hmm. um, 
I think he was at this life stage where where they 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 want to go and do stuff, right? And yeah. and and own things on behalf of the family. So we would, yeah, we would send him away and and go and figure stuff out. He he became sort of the the guy in charge, regardless where we were of, of settling the bill in the restaurant and that kind of thing. So so um, what's the word? Um, confidence, I guess. Nice. A lot of confidence that that it, that it's given him, um, and, and but also, I mean, um, just I don't know to learn to windsurf in the Caribbean, brilliant. Uh, to go, uh, you know, test a bit of scuba diving, to go catch an anaconda in the Orinoco Delta in, wow. in Colombia, and then go piranha fishing and and eat the piranhas, that kind of stuff, yeah. For awesome. for a kid of seven year old, that's that's pretty awesome, right? So yeah, for him, it's probably more that tangible, that tangible kind of things. What's the what's the best souvenir you brought back? Oh, I'm that's an awesome for, one. For uh, so we didn't even just bring it back. So this was we were in Mexico in in 2019. All right, that's three and a half years ago now. We literally received our souvenir. Just a month ago. <laughs> so, have you seen this Disney movie Coco? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. And then you got all these spirit animals, right? Yeah. With all the colors, and like the the cat becomes this half lion, yeah. half bird kind of thing. So that's that's a big thing in 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 Mexican, well, in that part of Mexico culture, Oaxaca, in the middle of sort of the mountains. Um, so we went to this um, shop, let's say. And we discovered what animals, what spirit animals we are, which is a bit like, like the the lunar calendar, but but it's based on the day and the month you're born. So what we've had made is an is a fusion animal of all our four animals. Uh-huh. My daughter is a is a leopard, so she's the main animal. My son is an armadillo, you know that the yeah. thing with the shield around it. So he's the shield kind of. And then my wife is a is a hummingbird, so she has the wings, and I'm some kind of fish. So I'm a tail sort of behind. And I think it's an awesome metaphor for That's how great. we drive it as a family as well. So we've got this 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 animal like in the Coco movie sort of standing in our windows still now. It's like this big. Um, it's all handcrafted, hand-painted. They send us photos along the way the whole time while they were building it. Um, yeah, that's something really, really cool to have. Oh, you, you'll have to send me a picture. We'll put it there. We'll, I'll send you a photo. See if we yeah. can, it's see really if hard to get a good photo. But, yeah. that's oh, that's cool. I will. Uh, so I, I like to kind of finish up with a, a couple of things. First, uh, some rapid fire questions. Oh, these 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 will just keep you on edge. You ready? Yeah. And this one, I, I think the first question is just because you're Dutch. Do you own a bicycle? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo bike. <laughs> I, I recommend to everyone. I got a Tokyo bike. I bought it here. It's so good. I bike to work every day. Yeah. I, I probably you probably learned to bike before you walk being Dutch. Uh-huh. Yes. It's the only, only place in the world I've been scared of my life. You walk on a bike path in, in Holland, in Amsterdam, you're gonna get ran over. It's it's yeah. just frightening. Yeah. A second question. What is wind? Huh. Wind, you said, right? A force for change. Nice. Which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? 
Dude, squirrels, totally. <laughs> yeah. On a scale from one to ten, how much do you enjoy garlic? Eight. Nine. 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 Who inspires you? Ah, my kids. Nice. If there was a hair in your soup at a restaurant, would you return it? <laughs> you don't give up any hair. I mean, you and I both know it's not ours. Would I return the hair or the soup? Soup. Oh. <laughs> You'll keep you know hair. You know what? Probably I won't. I would take it out and I would laugh about it and I kind of would eat the soup. Depending on the restaurant, though. Yeah. yeah. What's the most boring thing ever? Um, I'm thinking about it, but obviously I'm not thinking about it because I know I'm just trying to phrase it somewhat eloquently. No, but I, I don't do well with details. <laughs> Got it. And uh, how do you how do you feel about cranberries? Uh, neutral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for that. I, I, I love no, you. That's pretty awesome. I I know so much more about you now. You What's uh, is there? What should I have asked you that I didn't know enough to ask you? No, I think you you got there. Um, no. I think uh, I think we're good. I'm going to do. Um, I'm good. I, I I'm now craving to ask you a gazillion questions. So we arguably should do a reverse podcast. We'll do a, re we'll do a yeah. reverse podcast. I like that. I I, I will do um, for you. Then I will do a pitch because I think if uh, if you're not intrigued yet, please go and look up the Gap Partnership. Uh, read the the negotiation book. Find out about this company and sign up for the training. I think it's, like I said, I, I've spent uh, 30 years of my life doing training, corporate training, and by far this was the best training experience I had. So I'm so happy to have you on the show and I'm so happy to um, uh, endorse the Gap Partnership and I'm so glad you guys are in Japan. So thank you, Elko. I'm honored with those words. It does a lot. Yeah, thank you, David. So this is, uh, uh, we'll negotiate, uh, but this was so much fun. We've negotiated, we've negotiated yeah. good water. So thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you, David. Enjoy the Sakura.